0: Well, speaking of high low. Uh-huh. I dated a football player in college who was like on ESPN and I was kind of just like always supporting him and I was a tennis player. Like I had my own career in college, but it was kind of, he was he was important. And then we broke up cuz we had very different views on life. And then low, I fucked the
1: mascot. Oh, wow. While in the mascot suit. <laughs> yeah. Hello everyone, this week we have a little bit of a special episode. It was our first ever live recording. Don't worry, I didn't do a live recording that you could have bought tickets to. It was inside Sony and I don't know, I'm curious what you guys think of it because if you would want to come to a live show, we would make that happen. So let me know after you listen to the episode what you think. So you might know Hannah from Burning in Hell or her podcast Giggly Squad. She was also on Bravo's Summer House, but I actually know her from her amazing TikToks. Without further ado, welcome comedian Hannah Burner. Hey everybody, this, this is so cute and cozy. <laughs> it's like a little library chat. I'm gonna do a little intro now for our fabulous guest, Hannah Burtner, AKA is known as Some Comedian Girl. We'll get into that in a little bit. I had the pleasure of seeing her stand up, what was that, two weeks ago? Yeah. And I was like, this is the perfect guest. You're too sweet. Hannah's an amazing comedian. Um, she's in the hot seat today, but she normally puts other people in the hot seat, <laughs> which has made her a viral sensation on TikTok. It's how I got to know her. We have like a love story, yeah. I think, at this point, right? This I'm is like our third date. Or would you say second? It's like two and a half. Okay, two and a half. Because I felt like the internet connection almost qualified as a date. I just didn't know that you saw
0: the internet
1: connection because it was me just
0: like having fun. Well, I got very stressed. Okay, so <laughs> I was on
1: um, Julia Fox's podcast mm-hmm. and we were talking about the whole thing of paying for the bill. And she, you did this amazing TikTok where you asked people, do you reach for the purse or not? Like, do you even pretend to reach for the purse? Mm-hmm. Or do you like just wait for the guy, whatever? And so I was bringing it up and I was like, some comedian girl on TikTok. Well, this comedian girl saw that and she was like, "Uh, excuse me, that's me. (laughs) So my DMs started to blow
0: up and people were like, Emily's talking about you, Emily's talking about you. And you and Julia are kind of cultural icons in the girly pop community and beyond. So I immediately was flattered so honored and I showed my husband and he was like you have to make a video in response so I was like I am some comedian girl but also like my whole life I've wanted to be known as a comedian so it really meant as I did something to right what? Just, as just like that bitch okay word <laughs> well you've made it to some that comedian girl. bitch yeah sure. but it, the fact that then you saw my response video mm-hmm. I didn't really know if she saw but A couple of my friends saw And that was enough They were like That's really cool That she mentioned you And there was a rumor That Emily might come To my comedy show
1: Yes This is the first date Really This is the first date Yeah (laughs) Picked out my outfit Are we gonna make out today? I think we will Probably by the end of the This is gonna get weird So Mm -hmm. (laughs) Everybody's like Whoa Buckle up (laughs) Yeah Welcome back to Hilo with Emrata.
0: People have told me that certain people would come to my comedy shows, but they've always been, like, busy. I just wasn't going to make a big thing out of it in my head. And you stroll in just, like, so casual with your bestie from, like, mm-hmm. high school, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> and we just start chatty-cathying, mm-hmm. and next thing I know, I'm like, some model girl came to my show, and she's a vibe. And you stayed for the whole show. Do people normally leave? I don't know. You said
1: <laughs> you're like <laughs> if it was a wow. Game. was
0: it, not only did she come, she
1: also stayed. <laughs> <laughs> she supports other women in the arts. We like to say. I do. I do. I also was loving my beer. You got y'all were funny as well. I have to say, you're funny. You're
0: funny. You're funny. It is funny. I noticed she followed me at the end of the show, so I was like, she waited. She liked the content and she was like, respect.
1: (laughs) Well, we were talking about live shows because I was telling you that I have a issue, a mental health issue, where Mm. I think I would be good at stand up comedy. Which is like (laughs) It's a sickness. uh, It's an actual sickness. I am seeking help. But after watching you, I especially I was like having a bad episode because I was like, oh, she made that look so easy and great and natural. She also picks on people in the audience. So, like, (laughs) you know, she's really good because she's on her toes I only come for the men you really do come for the men I actually wanted to talk to you about that (laughs) girl I've been training my whole life for this moment I feel like you really I hate when you know I feel like the girlies want to like not talk about men and then it's like the first thing we do (laughs) we're like how do we how do we talk about men less how are you planning on talking about men less well we have to be honest
0: men are such a big part of our lives Mm. and the same extent that we might like hate them we also love them they are our biggest predators but they're also like bring us so much joy so it's a thin line and it stresses us the fuck out between love and hate
1: I was saying this the other day someone was like you clearly like don't hate men you're out in these streets dating and I was like thank you you're trying so hard to date women and no one's letting you any volunteers like is there anyone I'm really trying (laughs) I'm like hello like where where the girlie's at but it's okay
0: I also was thinking tell me if I'm going too ahead but like the concept of high low Mm. made me really think about men oh
1: Okay, wow, she came with a bet. <laughs> Girlie, I Deliver. was preparing in the Uber. I was like, I'm like, okay, she did I'm her scared. research. She has the cards. She has them.
0: I did some research, but I realized, like, high-low men is such a real thing.
1: Okay, let's go. Let's go.
0: <laughs> well, I feel like high, like, I've wanted to date guys who maybe are, like, wealthy or guys who are really successful family money, and they obviously have their demons. And then you date, like the open mic comic who still lives with his parents they're in Connecticut so that's a plus you don't know if it's like a nice neighbor in Connecticut or not but anyway regardless you learn that what is high what is low in terms of people and what Ooh. you think like quality is on paper is not always what brings you joy
1: snaps honestly it's really crazy um I've been thinking about this a lot because like Gen Z our favorite generation I
0: identify mm-hmm. as a Gen Z I do as
1: well and that was honestly one of the things I was like great so we're the ladies who pretend like we're like those that's our demographic we were born at the wrong time it's like five years too early <laughs> like it's confusing but I feel like Gen Z's really decent men from their life yeah they do because but they're always talking about like get the bag girls because like men are never gonna give you anything so you gotta just like at least secure the bag, get the dinner, get the blah blah blah, whatever. And I'm like, I don't know, because I'm out here in my 30s and I'm watching my friends who married for money Mm -hmm. regret it. (gasps) Regret it because you know what? First of all, the economy is bad. So these men are losing (laughs) their money. So the money, you just can't rely on the money. Those crypto
0: kings, they're shaking. No,
1: crypto kings, but also, honey, even the stock market, like,
0: they are shaking in their boots. My best friend Paige's mom, Mm -hmm. to give Mm -hmm. credit, her favorite quote was, if you marry for money, you will work for the rest of your life how powerful is that mm. but i learned at a young age that like i always say that i joked about disney teaches you that you should be attracted mm. to the prince you're like Love but i feel right. like as millennial women we grew up with disney there was that prince he's definitely a narcissist mm-hmm. and takes up all the air in the room and you think that's the guy that makes you feel successful to get the prince that was like the story of every single movie and then when you get the prince sometimes you're like Wait, but he doesn't see me. I don't feel fulfilled. I'm not happy. He's kind of a duke. Mm-hmm. And learning that the right man for you is not what society thinks is right, but it's who makes you feel seen and who makes you feel lit up and light and yourself. I once watched a documentary about um, Dr. Dre. Okay. <laughs> <And> Segway. His... <laughs> Just follow me. Mm-hmm. And his wife, they're now divorced, said, like, I'm his rock and he's the balloon. And I love that for them. But I remember thinking like, I'm not a fucking pebble to someone. Yeah, no, no. And I want someone to be a gardener and I'm a flower and vice versa. So just cause he's hot and rich does not mean happiness.
1: So for that, for you, that translated to old. Yes,
0: I like I'm tired. I'm with an older tired man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're husband yes. is
0: how much older than you? So he's forty seven. Okay. I'm so we're like fifteen years gap. Okay. Tell us the secrets. We all need a
1: Zaddy, I guess. Is that I, the I always
0: say just go to Walgreens and hang out in the Advil section. Mm-hmm. They their lower backs are killing them. Um.
1: I think I, Amy Schumer does a bit where she's like, they're just so tired. <laughs> and you get them at the end when they're just so it's tired. Like they literally like, can't cheat on you. No, they, they can't literally can't do anything. They li- <laughs> they're so tired. And they're just like, I just really like, I just want to go to sleep. When they're and not then you
0: texting just you you back get them. They're napping. Yeah, yeah. 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 so that's, yeah, Amy Schumer does have a good bit where you're just like, shh, it's okay. But I do think there's something to be said about in his 30s, he was like really chasing his career and really busy. And he had... A, has a great career of comedy in Ireland, and then during COVID we met. He slid into your DMs, right? He slid into my DMs, but I saw him at the cellar five years previously. Did you think he was funny? I thought he was so cute, Thank so funny. God.
1: Imagine if you hadn't. I know.
0: Yeah, well, you wouldn't be married. But I remembered that like he lived in Ireland, so I'm like, mm. I'll never marry that man. Right. But guys, don't don't let manifestations get wrong because mm. anything can happen. <laughs> so he, because of COVID, moved back, and I was in Long Island. He was in Long Island. But there was something about a guy who, like, I really – this sounds so bad, but I respected his brain and how it
1: worked. Wow, that's shocking. And that was new for me. (laughs) I know that's – I mean, I'm saying, like, wow. (laughs) Holy shit, you do have something special. (laughs) No, but I kind of had that
0: mentality where I like to feel like I was the dude who had, like, male models around her. Like, I just wanted to – I wanted to be the hot one. You were, like – I'm the balloon and
1: they're the pebble.
0: Exactly. Uh But I wanted, actually, I wanted to be the ugly one. I want them to be hot and I wanted to show that, like, I could be the breadwinner and I could just have, like, hot guys around me all the time and I don't care about them. But that was me having some, like, intimacy issues because I didn't want to be up for, like, someone could actually reject me who's an equal. Mm. Oh, I loved a, like,
1: (laughs) a dumb athlete. Really? Yes. What kind of athletes? Well, speaking of high low, uh
0: huh, the name of the pod, I
1: thank you so much. You doing I, a great <laughs> job. I'm like I'll I'll tip you later. I'll no, tip you, a how great many name. times can you say high low? It's many a times- great
0: name. I dated a football player in college who was like on ESPN, and I was kind of just like always supporting him. And I was a tennis player, like I had my own career in college, but it was kind. Of, he was he was important. They treated the football guys well, as they should. And he wanted me to go to Bible study, and I couldn't. I just kept missing it, and then. We broke up because we had very different views on life. And then, Lo, I fucked the mascot.
1: Oh, wow, he- in, while in the mascot suit?
0: no okay. but he wanted points to are <laughs> I, <that. laughs> I know don't it was a the very moment <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it made me realize like he, the, the mascot was so funny and like yeah people didn't think it was like cool that I was walking around with this guy who wore a Bucky Badger suit all the time because I went to Wisconsin but <laughs> it made me realize like wait life is about finding what you want mm-hmm. and I don't and I started to care less about what other people thought because in relationships yeah, they might be impressed for a second, but you have to sleep with them at night. Oh, uh, you have to
1: wake up with them in the morning. Even Ugh, worse. Even worse. Yeah, even yeah. worse. Sleep. You, you have could to get be through. prepared for it all. Exactly. You said, "Yeah, the fact that I'm married is so off-brand." It is.
0: People don't even know I'm married. <laughs>
1: really? I feel like you like talk about it and represent it. How long have you guys been married? It's like officially one year. This week. Oh, wow. Congrats. What are you guys going to do you. for your anniversary? I have two shows in Boston. Because <laughs> you're, you're that damn
0: balloon? She's, she's no, working. you're both are your garden. Sorry, I've, I've yeah, lost the metaphor. was a lot of metaphors and it got a little confused, but you get me.
1: Yeah, yeah. You guys are watering
0: each other and growing. Yeah. He's very supportive and I think he has his own confidence of who he is Mm -hmm. um and I'm not telling everyone to like date an older man I do think sometimes there could be a power imbalance Mm -hmm. if you're like too young or if you financially are completely dependent on him and we do not want the
1: girlies to be in that situation no that's the first message and lesson we're delivering from this podcast yes like we do not need that no the girlies do not need that I think in your early 20s I say
0: dating is kind of like researching. Mm. Don't take it as like result oriented. Like it didn't work out. We're learning what we want. How are you supposed to know in your early 20s? And then in your late 20s, you start realizing like, oh, that I can't deal with that. I can deal with that.
1: How old are you now?
0: I'm at 31.
1: I'm turning 32 in early June. So I've just started saying 32. Oh wow! Yeah, well, because it's a month away, it's like weeks away. (laughs) But my friends were like snapping. We, I was just in Miami with my friends, and they were like, "You're not 32 yet," and I'm like, "I'm fucking 32." You're mentally prepared. Like I don't need. I was doing that. I was saying 30 before when I was 29. It's like a, it's a game. Why do you do that? I mean, I actually don't mind being in my early 30s. I think it's more so I don't embarrass myself by going the wrong way later, (laughs) which I have done. Like I have legit told people that I'm like younger than I am because I am that
0: fried. Because of gigs, do you ever feel like they're looking for a certain age? You know,
1: I did at one point. I don't know if I'm just delusional or Mm -hmm. just don't care anymore um where i'm just like yeah i'm the age i am and like thank god for botox and like (laughs) bangs and like we're gonna just carry on you know the fact that you're not only beautiful
0: but then you pull off bangs is a double whammy that all the girlies are trying to handle in this moment
1: everybody knows bangs is like a divorce breakup thing and (laughs) i didn't do it right away i just want to say i didn't fucking do it right away okay (laughs) what i did instead was i got I would say 60 pounds of hair sewn into my head. Which, by the way, last week, one of my besties finally said to me, like, you know, you know, you looked crazy. Was right? your neck OK? No, no. I had <laughs> hair down to my butt and I was like, I'm Princess Leia. I was like not able to eat. I was so upset for my breakup, but I had so much hair. So much hair. And then I had to take it off for like shows and stuff because it was September. It was like back to reality so that we've had to come out. And I was like, OK, well, I can't like look at myself in the mirror as the person I was before So that's when the banks came in and they've just gotten shorter and shorter. And you know what? It was not a mistake. And now my friends who were like, don't do it, don't do it are like, okay, you went, you're right. You were right about the bangs. I thought you kind of had the bangs to be a little incognito. Oh, no. And you kind of like open
0: it up when you have to do a photo shoot. I'm feeling like, "Mm." yeah, like she wants to show herself to the world. Oh, now
1: she's gone. Yeah, no, it's like, it's more like, am I cute today? Like, oh, I'm like manic pixie dream girl, you know, vibes. And then other times it's like, I don't know, you can do a lot of things with them. It's the whole thing.
0: Well, I um, would wake up and my bangs would just be like straight up and I'd be like, Mm -hmm. this is me today.
1: Because you have to put a little effort into it. So I thought that, but it's actually a lot less work than I thought. I'm a lazy, lazy hoe. Like when I especially when it comes to hair, I'm just not good at I'm not good at it. Like I'll be the person who like one part of the or the front that I could see in the mirror, like looks good and then the back is like jank and everyone's like <laughs> so why I had to get the hair taken out was because there just developed like a nest oh. of where I couldn't reach where I like literally wasn't brushing and it was just getting thicker and thicker. And I was there. It was bad. I lost so much hair when I was getting them taken out. I was like, okay, well this was a bad thing. I'm not the type of person who can maintain these things like I shouldn't have nice things (laughs) the bangs the best part about it is like you can be in a mood and be like I don't I hate my face and whatever and then you just like trim your bangs and you're like I'm cute you're a different person and it makes me feel powerful and also gives a little thrill so I'm really I'm
0: pro bangs (laughs) I would look like Chucky the like horror doll I don't even know if it has bangs but I feel like it would I had a joke about bangs in my hour and I remember walking off stage because I was aware that Emily was there and I was like I just made fun of bangs. I'm okay with it. Like I'm like yeah, that's where I'm at. Everyone and everyone should know. But it's also there's so many worse things you could have done mm-hmm. than gotten insane extensions and I love that your friends were supportive until they weren't. I
1: don't know. You should see pictures. <laughs> I don't know if there's that many things I could have done that were worse. Like I'm trying to think what else. Like I could have shaved my head but like I wouldn't have done that. Like that's my money. Like I I'm you know, I have a hair contract. Like I'm not cutting my hair. That would have been the moment though. No, it wouldn't it would have been you I would have, have been homeless. Cheekbones. You do <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> just Mommy kidding. can't make I any have money other, I have other sources of income, but I was like, I'm a single mom. I can't <laughs> shave the head. So I just added hair. And again, um, it was really kind of a shocking moment because I want to be clear. I have this, the San Diego friends who you met. Yeah. They were like, you're a mermaid. <laughs> they were like, put on anklets. You're so pretty. Oh my God, this much hair is so pretty. Walk. Like, oh, it moves when you walk. They loved it because they maybe have bad taste at the core and it's okay but my New York friend who Mm -hmm. like normally she's very chic she like wears the row. she works at Tory Burch Mm -hmm. she just dropped that on me yesterday and she was like we were all being nice and I was like well I want to tell you something my San Diego friends weren't being nice (laughs) they believed the dream they were right there with me but I'm really glad you're here and I live in New York City and that like I have women like you in my life because otherwise lord only knows
0: I do have to say if I'm not getting like gentle honest bullied by my friends I don't trust them if you're too nice to me i think you hate me oh yeah i'm like do we have beef because you just
1: complimented me all right everyone we'll be right back with hannah burger welcome back to high low with emrata What do your friends call you out on? Oh,
0: everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm famous for not shaving my legs. Like, my top leg is not shaven. Oh, yeah. I just You're, too. like, very close to it, and she just, like, gagged. <laughs> <laughs> but I grew up as a tennis player. It's funny because I love all the stuff you write about your body because as an athlete, I had a very different perspective on my mm-hmm. body. It was always, like, just the engine that I used.
1: Oh, I'm jealous. That's, like, what I've had to learn.
0: It's interesting, though. Like, my mom who is so beautiful she like made a purpose to never tell me i was beautiful mm. and it was always but it was other things that were attached to my ego am i smart am i kind am i winning all my tennis matches so the same way you might be like i'm ugly today i'm worthless i'd be like i lost my tennis match today why should someone love me wow so we're dealing with different battles out in these
1: streets so what should a mother do what should one say i'm i'm like i've been trying to figure that one out so
0: i've realized that you try to like undo the generational trauma that's happened to you and sometimes you will like overdo it and I'm the first one I go I don't want to tell girls they're pretty when they're younger and the second a little cute toddler comes in I go you look so pretty and I'm like damn it (laughs) I'm such a believer in like the words you tell young girls really tell the story they're going to tell themselves of who they are and like for to have more women in stem and more athletes and that kind of stuff it's just because people didn't tell them they could yeah so I kind of want to see where if I have a daughter she naturally gravitates for Mm -hmm. and not like force her into anything and then kind of Care less about results of like, are you beautiful, and more like, how do you feel in your skin?
1: Mm-hmm. Totally. It's just funny because I wrote about it in the book, and like my mom talking about beauty, and even when I was like a little baby, kind of having this narrative around it that felt really important in in my household. And um, then I had my son, and I, it's so hard for me not to call him beautiful all the time because I love him, mm-hmm. and I look at his face, and you know, I do think it would be different culturally, whatever else, but. I understand the instinct and the impulse to just compliment your child on the way they look. I know. and it's fucked up to be like,
0: don't tell them they're beautiful. Mm -hmm. But what's hard is when you are beautiful, society responds differently to you. And like when I would win or when I'm funny, people like me more. Mm -hmm. So it's very hard to not become obsessed with it. Right. If you continually get, it's like a dog that keeps getting pet when he does something. We're going to keep leaning into it.
1: That's what laughs are for you. Just like a stroking of a... It is my heroine. <laughs> <laughs> How did you get into comedy? Like, were you the little girl who was, like, doing performances at school? I'm just trying to picture you I at, like, definitely 12. I was raising my hand way too much in class, trying to be the class clown.
0: But I, early on, at, like, eight years old, my dad was, like, a- obsessed with sports, and I was pretty athletic, And I immediately, I think because I was was hyperactive, they put me into sports and I would just, I chose tennis. And by like 12 years old, I was ranked like top 15 in the nation. Oh my God. And it was the kind of thing where like, that's what I am. I am a tennis player. And Mm -hmm. at a young age, I was like, I want to be a professional tennis player. And I like to tell this story because like, obviously I'm sitting here and I'm not a professional tennis player. And I ended up playing, you know, number one for the University of Wisconsin. But I didn't love it. And I really just wanted to make my parents and my coaches, like I wanted to prove to them that I was great. But I actually just wanted to be a goofy little silly goose. But instead I was out there every day just like competing and pushing myself. And at 22 when I quit, I was like, why did you waste 15 years of your life and now you have nothing?
1: But you didn't have nothing, obviously. I mean, you had developed a personality. You were, you've come this far. It's not like you were behind. When
0: I was like 23, mm-hmm. I was like, doing cold call sales mm-hmm. and you know not making that much money living with my parents and I saw my friends who had played tennis like traveling to France and Tokyo and playing internationally and I could have but I was like this isn't what's meant for you and I had some depressive years of just feeling like empty
1: That's a huge decision to walk away from something that you've invested basically your whole childhood and adolescence into just because you're like, this doesn't make me happy. Were your parents supportive?
0: Yeah, but it took me. It's like a relationship, you know, when you first get a red flag and then it takes you like seven years to be like, let's get out of this. (laughs) But it goes back to you, how you were talking about kind of like how you might want to do comedy. It's like, we're so trained that women can't be like multifaceted people. And I was like, I'm the athlete. That's why people love me. I'm Hannah, the great tennis player. So when I wasn't, I was like, then who am I? Mm -hmm. A lot of former athletes deal with this. But then I realized like, what made me good at tennis is also what makes me good at comedy. And stand-up comedy is actually very similar to tennis. This is an ESPN podcast, if you guys didn't know. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) That you're out there alone performing with these variables. There's the crowd, you're traveling, and you have to have confidence in yourself when sometimes other people don't.
1: Interesting. Wow. I mean, also you really, like I was talking about earlier in your show, you really engage with the audience and they like you kind of bounce the ball back and forth, if, you know. Exactly. If you're, if you're following exactly. my... Yeah. That's You're amazing. like Rose Barkley and I'm Shaq. Oh, I love that. <laughs> oh, let's Let's keep it going. So how did you start then picking yourself out of this depression and going like, okay, I'm... Because all the time I feel like you hear people say things like, I want to be a director. I want to be a yes. comedian. I want to be a whatever. And you're like, okay, like, how are you going to do that? Everybody wants to be a comedian. I don't want to sound to
0: LA but manifesting is so fucking real that's very LA but it's okay that was so LA I'm gonna pull out a crystal I agree. from my pussy I agree with that <laughs> but I, I do think there's different ways of manifesting at the end of my senior year of college I said that I wanted to do sports broadcasting and if you go on YouTube Hannah Burner Wisconsin I was like out there doing these little broadcasts and it was like kind of like an internship but I felt alive and I loved it, but I'm from New York city. And I was like, I don't want to go to a small market. i want to go back to my family, 25 years old. I was miserable. I was like selling t-shirts. I don't even know what I was doing. And I saw one of those videos and I was like, I want to be on video. That's all. I just said, I want to be on camera. That's all I manifested. And then I started telling people about it and someone was like, Hey, there's a video production gig. I actually took an unpaid internship at 25, and that's when your friends are like, "Are you good, girl?" But you have a long-term vision. Mm-hmm. You see something they don't see, and you just have to let it pass you. So I started making like funny tweets and memes and videos for this media company, and it was like a joke writing boot camp. And bringing men back into our lives, unfortunately, I dated a stand-up comedian, and he subconsciously taught me a lot of things.
1: Subconsciously.
0: Like, I wasn't wanting to be a stand up at the time, but it was almost like, when I was giving blowjobs, his semen was just like giving me his talent. Sorry, that was dark. That Traveling was too much for the corporate soul crowd and yeah. permeating <laughs> your identity
1: permanently. It was like
0: Space Jam mm-hmm. when they took the talent.
1: You sucked it out of him. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Got it. Okay, but I just unexpected <laughs> turn. I have to be honest. I was I was ready for you to tell me about your first night at the cellar or something else, and that's where we went. girlies is. with you.
0: Can be fun sometimes. I'm with you.
1: You can literally suck talent out of men. It turns out you're hearing it here first gen z are you listening <laughs> here's a successful 30 year old comedian oh. <laughs> the men are like actually i don't want blowjobs anymore um, <laughs> like we're good
0: but i saw his life where like he was performing at night he was doing acting he was doing podcasts during the day and i'm like you can make money just being yourself and I grew up in New York where, like, all my friends were funny. We're all ball busted, So I never thought, like, I'm the funniest. But I knew that I making people laugh, laughter was the one thing I always had in my life. No matter what horrible things were happening, laughter was always there. I could always find something to smile about. And I didn't have tennis. You can win and lose. Jobs, you lose money. You can always smile and have a funny perspective on life. And I'm. Um, I also love... This is going to sound like a TED talk, but I love like disrupting male dominated spaces. Mm. So, like tennis, I, when I trained, it was all men around me. So, I kind of got used to being like, I can play with these guys and I can show that like there's space for women here. Yeah. So, stand up, there'd be so many more female stand ups if it was less of a boys club and easier to like go to open mics. And I was like, I'll be that bitch going into this male space. And I kind of, I do kind of get off on. Showing them, like, I can
1: play, too. Mm -hmm. But then I feel like your humor is not at all trying to, like, make the boys laugh. I I remember you said to me. Yeah, after the set, you were like, I just pretend I'm at brunch with my friends. And I was like, you really, that really resonated. It was very clear. So you're going to these spaces where there's all these guys. Mm -hmm. Where you Did you feel like you have to appeal to the male-dominated comedy industry? Or were you like, fuck it, where are my girls in the audience? I'm going to make them laugh. Great
0: question. The male-dominated industry, like... At the end of the day, if you're funny, you're funny. And it is hard to go in front of just a ton of men and for them to laugh, but like, my best friend is my dad. I love hanging out with guys, and I I, I like to poke fun at them in a way that they don't expect. And I also like to feel like it's a female locker room, like there's men in the crowd now, unfortunately. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I like them to let them in and see like girls are gross and silly and funny and you're welcome. It's like educational instead of just saying fuck men, it's like this is actually what we like to joke about and like you could be in on the joke if you want.
1: You're like, I'm changing the world by talking about queefing. (laughs) And I'm healing sexism and the patriarchy by my discussions around tampons and queefing.
0: Well, I also feel like back in the day, like female comics, like they purposely would dress kind of ugly and be like, I'm just like the ugly, silly friend. Mm -hmm. So I almost wanted to encapsulate, like I can be confident and feel sexy on stage while also talking about how often I queef and then just hold it. And for people to be like, holy shit, like you can be multifaceted. Right. And I feel like that with your career too, where people assume like you are just this one kind of some model girl. Mm -hmm. And we're so much more than that.
1: Well, I think it's something you do in your early 20s, especially where you're like, you don't know who the fuck you are. You cannot believe that people consider you an adult. And you're like, how am I, you know, you're trying to figure out how you're going to make any money because, you know, you know that the world is different than your parents and how they bought their house and whatever. And, you know, you try to like, box yourself into these things. And I'm sure that's what you experienced with tennis. But I had the same sort of moment where like, at a certain point I was like, I'm not fucking happy. And I just can't do it. And you just kind of, you f- it's not because you think people are gonna like it, you just go for it, right? And you start being yourself and then hope for the best.
0: I hate to say it, but it has to get like super dark sometimes for you to just be like, I can't betray myself anymore. I like to call it like a self betrayal of you doing something you don't want. Because, like, I can't do the 9-to-5, and that's just me. But I tried it. I really tried. Very
1: Gen Z of you. You <laughs> know. I'm so Again, Gen Z. Again, <laughs> she identifies as Gen Z, and she also follows through. It's true. I also feel like with careers, you can
0: force only so much. And people are like, how do you get the balls to do what you do? It's so risky. And I'm like, no, it's risky for me to not do this because I wouldn't be able to run away from depression, which you is talk dark.
1: about mental health a lot, which is, like, not something that... I feel like comedy people do that, like, later once they've made it. And then they're like, actually, I almost killed myself. <laughs> you're, really you're like, paid. you're doing what? this too early in your career. <laughs> no, no, I like it because it feels really seamless and authentic in a way that sometimes it doesn't when, like, people choose a cause.
0: True. Oh, you're you know so what I right. Mean? Like, once they start getting a lot of hate online, they're like, actually, I'm a bully because I have anxiety. <laughs>
1: totally. <laughs> Why is that important to you? And, like, how do you integrate that into what you're doing? I think...
0: I'm a very type A individual where growing up, it's like, if you're successful, people love you more. And I always want people to think like, I'm awesome and look up to me. And then I realize like the people I look up to, they're not perfect. And just because you have money or you have success or you have a family doesn't mean you have it all. So I kind of like to make one person feel less alone if they ever look at me and say like, she's living this, you know, perfect life. She's chasing her dream and be like, someone messaged me once, like, how does it feel like to have it all? A very successful person said that to me. Wow. And I was like, you mean anxiety and depression. <laughs> yeah. And you start realizing, like, things happen to you. I know when you get more fame, people treat you differently. But it all matters just how you treat yourself. If you mm-hmm. talk to yourself and treat yourself like shit, it doesn't matter what's ha- happening externally. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that way?
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. But it doesn't. it's a lifelong journey. Yeah. Be right back with Hannah Burner. Welcome back to Hilo with Emrata. I had therapy today. Are you a therapy girlie? I am. Okay. I used to go twice a week. Mm-hmm. Liz is her name. She's actually around our age. I and don't I know can. exactly. Love her, Liz. <laughs> she actually really got me through a lot. My mom was very sick at one point. Yeah. Um, divorce. I wrote a book kind of like out of a lot of the conversations we had. She encouraged me to start writing. So like shout out, Liz. And I had a week of bad self-talk and it was like it's so frustrating to kind of feel that what the mental health thing that I've heard and I really like is like it's not just this like straight line or even windy road. It's like you go in in circles and you come back around and then you find yourself pulling yourself out. But it's really frustrating for me sometimes because I feel like I'm a mom. I have had I've done a lot of the things that I kind of wanted to do in my life. And then I still find myself talking to myself. Like I'm 15 or like I'm 21. And that really, it adds to this negative self-talk because I'm then like mad at myself for having those thoughts. Yeah, then you're double downing. So I'm self-talking, I'm negative (laughs) self-talking on the negative (laughs) self-talking and it's it's just such a mess.
0: Once I heard that like the voices in your head are not you, that blew my mind. Like it's like a coach that might have been mean to you, something your mom might have said accidentally that really hurt you. And those voices you don't have to trust them and once I decided that I could choose to be nice to myself, the whole world changed for me.
1: What about with fame though and TikTok? I mean, I feel like you obviously have so many followers and so much attention and with that comes like negative comments. Mm-hmm. How do you handle those? So
0: because I have a husband who's like lived some life who has dealt with fame on his in his situation, he basically was like, you you can't be in the comments anymore. There's a certain time in your career where it's fun and everyone's enjoying it. And then comments just hurt my creativity. And I like to call it emotional cutting.
1: Oh my God. Liz gave me that one as Does well. Does Liz talk about that? Yeah. She was like, if you Google yourself, that's cutting.
0: So I haven't Googled myself in like a year. Wow. I wish I could say the same.
1: I <laughs> know. I'm not just saying it. <laughs> it for... was like the was last week, okay? I, <laughs> I <know>. Googled myself. <laughs> well...
0: I also feel like I had to get to some like dark places to know like I just don't fuck with that anymore. And also like a very low. Yeah. yeah. It's ego related where you can't trust like when people love you too much and you can't trust when they hate you too much because they don't actually know who you are at
1: all. I know, I heard you take a big breath there. No, I mean, it's so true. It kind of goes back to what you were saying about your parents and accomplishing things as a form of love and, like, what your output is is how much you deserve love. Yeah. And then if you do that on a scale of the internet and fame, it can be really dangerous Especially when I'm trying to come
0: up with the next funny video. If in my head I'm thinking what user72 said and I feel like I'm actually not going to post it, that just hurts me. Yeah. So I... Every now and then I get cocky and I'm like in the comments. And for people who are like, oh, I don't have millions of TikTok followers, we're all going viral nowadays. So everyone's Mm -hmm. experienced that video that goes viral. And the next thing you know, you're like, why are they turning on me? I didn't do anything to anyone. I don't like this. Mm -hmm. But I do think once you realize it's like a car crash, you can stop and watch it, but you also don't have to. And Once I realized you don't have to watch the car crash, I was like, it gave me power. And I want to be long term in this industry. And I'm a sensitive little bitch. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel everything. So, I know some people might be tougher in that way. But, in my way, like, what's the pro of reading comments to see people if I got any compliments? Right. I'm not Mother Teresa, but like, if my video made one person laugh or feel relatable,
1: I'm like, cool. So should we move on to horoscopes now or I was waiting? I'm kidding. (laughs) kidding. No, that's such that's wonderful advice. And it's so true. Um, And I do think that I used to kind of hate when celebrities or public figures would like talk about fame, but it's just now everyone is experiencing it. Like we truly are in Andy Warhol's future. where like 15 minutes of fame. Everyone gets it. And yeah, they love you and then they hate you and then they love you and then they hate you. And you cannot um, base your life on the perceptions of other people. I also feel like it's it's so cool being here with you because you are really kind of
0: a cultural symbol for especially girls my age, younger girls, just women in general and to men. you've become so much of like who you really are people just don't know like you just symbolize something to people and you become like a product and as I've gotten like more attention I realize like oh people don't care who you are. They just want the product. And sometimes people just see you as, yeah, they're just reflecting and projecting their own experiences onto you.
1: Wait, you have to explain that a little bit more. Like, what would you say your product is? Because for me, it's like very easy, right? Like commodifying my image and my body as a model. But like you're doing comedy, which does feel so attached to your personality. I'm a clown. I'm a jester.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> I do think, like, sometimes people will see me in the street, and, you know, like, I'm, like, talking to my mom about something, and, like, they see me, and I think they immediately want me to, like, make them laugh or, like, do a joke. And, like, I am actually pretty similar on and off stage, I, I like to think. But it's funny to see people just, they always want, You're <laughs> like, dance monkey dance. <laughs>
1: Literally, it's always like You're that. You're like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not want doing to bring joy know, to people, yeah. but
0: I'll be, like, picking my nose, like, mm-hmm. at the subway stop, and I- I'm really, I'm performing for you. And then there's, like, the Hannah who's, like, I'm just sitting here worrying about, you know, what I could possibly do wrong in my future.
1: Right. <laughs> right. I mean, so what you're saying is it's the comedy. People are, like, be funny. It's, it's a lot of the comedy. And, mm-hmm. But it's amazing
0: and so cool. But it's interesting how, like, people do see you as, you know, the product on their FYP. Mm-hmm. And they don't realize, like, people are,
1: again... Multifaceted, some comedy girl (laughs) to bring it full circle some comedy girl you're
0: so right but it took me so much time to be called a comedian Mm -hmm. and it means the world to me
1: what were people calling you before? i'm I'm (laughs) sorry i have to understand oh no
0: before i was i was a tennis player right i've also Mm -hmm. i've done reality tv Mm -hmm.
1: i've done a ton of just like stupid videos online which i feel like the stupid videos are genius though i mean some of the first stuff i saw of you was not your stand-up it was you interviewing people asking guys what were some of the questions that i love like about periods or or has a woman ever faked an orgasm with you i like to talk about pooping i like Uh to talk about
0: farting i feel like i have this it's a superpower and kind of cringy but that i it takes a lot for me to be embarrassed. Like I'll take the risk. <laughs> and I kind of like, that's me, I'm silly. I'm a silly goose. And I think with that, I wanna say things that like maybe some girls are afraid to say. Mm-hmm. Cause like, yeah, I farted on men going down on me before. Yes, I've like had horrible poop situations. Um, I have a nervous poop problem. And I'm saying that, obviously it's embarrassing for me, but like, who knows who's listening to this pod who's like, wait, I'm not gross. 'Cause you're not.
1: Right. Well and also it's it's fucking funny. Wait, so Emrata, do you poop? I do poop. <sighs> I also have a nervous pooping situation, actually. <laughs> what's the What's the thing on TikTok where it's like, it, you're a hot girl if you have IBS, right? You yeah. Know, which... So I, that has been, Gen Z has affirmed that for me. That's yeah. when I learned that I was a hot girl was when um, I saw a TikTok that said hot girls have IBS. Every and time I was like, we feel about I was like, this on. is my generation. And I was like, that's right. Woo, hit the club tonight, feeling good. No, but seriously, they, they're so much better about that kind of like self-deprecating honesty Mm-hmm. that I think comes out of like, you know, a reaction to what we grew up with as millennials, which is like oversaturated, overfiltered, everything's perfect, tiny little seconds of everything. And, you know, they were like, no, 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 no. I immediately know how to see through that. We grew up with the internet, whatever. This is Gen Z. And they're just interested in honesty. And it's like, I'm yeah. so glad that TikTok exists. And isn't
0: it actually like super attractive when someone is just like super comfortable and honest with who they are. Like, I think that's so much more attractive than someone who you can tell is like trying to be something they're not.
1: Yes, or just, you know, the aspirational thing. It's like, it's just yeah. not
0: real. You I know? also feel like, how are we gonna fight the patriarchy if we have to run to Starbucks every time we have to poop? Like, it's just, there's no competition. Wait,
1: so are we supposed to poop on the street?
0: No, we have to poop in his apartment, like while he's there, got door it, open. And just I stare was like, at him. so where, which level are we going to <laughs> right
1: away, or?
0: I just want the girls like to not be nervous about things that, like for example, I don't always shave my legs and stuff, and I feel like, how are we going to compete with dudes who like don't have to worry about that stuff, and we're always worrying about it. Obviously, I do like my legs shaven and stuff like that. Yeah. but I guess I now I have this voice, and girls are listening to me, and I try to think what I would say to the insecure girl growing up who thinks she has to be perfect in so many ways.
1: No, this podcast has a like very young female listenership and it's been really interesting because we get people sending them voice notes and then just like people come up to me on the street in New York and will ask me about like sex and dating in, in a way that totally nobody would have done that to Emrata before, you know yeah. what I mean? It was different and they listened to the podcast and like we did an episode about sex on the first date and so many girls were just like, I just like, I would, ne- I could never get an orgasm from sex on the first date, and it was like, "Yes, that is very, that is normal, you know." But like, nobody talked about that before. It was like you have to like sex, you have to like even when the boys aren't delivering, you know. So or now you just at least the girl all your
0: friends are coming all the time, yeah. and you just like
1: haven't met the right guy yet. I have to say, I do have some friends who I'm like, what the fuck? What's going on down there? They're like, well, I, of course, in the first five minutes and I'm like, who are you? I'm like, what do you do and how? Because what the fuck? No, I'm calling their asses out right now. I'm like, you are a detriment to fem- feminism. But do you agree with orgasms that like either happens
0: in the first five minutes or like seven business days? Like it's... Yeah, I go, I go seven business
1: days. Yeah. Pretty much as like a, huge. that's like the norm.
0: And some girls, I think are more confident with Mm -hmm. it where sometimes like yeah i need to have like the moon and jupiter Mm -hmm. i need like the pillow has to be the perfect temperature
1: (laughs) oh my god yeah and then if it goes on too long then you start thinking about why is it going on so long it's like a whole and then we're faking it (laughs) yeah but it's i just think that it's so important for women like the pooping is leading to safer sex better sex like you know the conversations about that kind of stuff that are kind of like haha funny we women should be able to be gross it also leads to like real life protection, which is so important. And I I think that's the part of it that like maybe people don't always understand. Like if you're interviewing women on the street about, you know, how many times they faked an orgasm, like you're opening up a conversation that will lead to more fulfilling relationships in general and like happier children and like a better society. Mm-hmm. And maybe not everybody sees that right away, but like I think that's the beautiful thing about comedy and again why I'm going to start doing stand up. Um, ah! <laughs> no I'm, kid- I'm kidding. This is I'm Seeking help. Netflix! Seeking help. <laughs> Sony. I'm like, uh-huh, Sony, Netflix. I'd like that um, stand-up deal <laughs> right now. Um, no, but I do think it's the amazing thing about comedy is, like, you can make people laugh and then deliver really, like, important messages, which is beautiful. I'm going to
0: cry because this is such a great full circle moment of you just, like, bantering with Julia about... Comedy, but I do think like comedy is a silly way to sneak in real things. Like I talk about dark shit, but it's not as scary because there's like fart jokes in between.
1: I was just really impressed by the community you've built and on virtually, and but also it's really impressive to be able to do that in real life. So congratulations on everything, and thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, first live show.
0: It was an honor to be
1: here. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for being here. Okay, everyone, that was our live show recorded at Sony in front of a live audience. Curious what you all thought about that. Would you want to attend a live show, a live taping if we did one? Thank you so much for Hannah for coming on. Give us feedback. As you always know, you can go to hilo.fm to send in your audio notes. But now we also have a hilo.fm hotline which is 42 high low 4. You can call or text that number and leave your audio notes or your notes and I will use them for the subscription episode talk back which comes out once a week. Thank you all for listening. Hi Low with Imrata is a Sony Music Entertainment and Bitch Era Media Production. Our executive producers are me, Emily Radikowski, Matt Raz, and Sarita Wesley. Our showrunner is Matt Raz. Our associate producer is Rachel Choder. Today's episode was engineered by Samantha Gatsik with original music by The Crystal Pharaoh.